Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, there is such a sweet spirit of God here today. Amen. I feel I had somewhat struggled um, last night, early this morning, to think that I was on the right track, and uh, but I, I would just tell you that immediately when this service began, I feel to do what I'm going to do today, and I feel that it is in harmony, and um, so if you were not here Wednesday night, um, I talked about having a heart for ministry. And I'm not going to re-preach that message, but I am going back there in its theme because I feel like the Lord is trying to just really speak something to us in this season. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in the book of John chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 40 and 41. One of our prayer points today was for God to use us to share the gospel. You ready? This week. That was the prayer point. Not in general. You know, when we get around to it, if an occasion presents itself. But our challenge in our focus prayer this morning, thank you, Brother Toby, for sharing um, that and that personal story. And we're going to pray for you to have a voice and a witness to say there's more. This is just the beginning point. But let's, let's look, if we will, uh, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 40. The Bible says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Amen. With, with the Lord's help today, I want to just speak from my heart again. I said this Wednesday night, from my heart to yours. And I want to, to speak to you on this subject today, a place for you. A place for you. Amen. Very easy to take messages and songs and kind of assign them to someone else and think that somebody else should fill this role or fulfill this obligation. But I believe God has a place and a calling for all of us. Amen. Each one of us. God bless you and you can be seated. If you weren't here Wednesday, I talked just to, uh, from my heart about finding a place in the ministry that God wants to use you. The, men, the word ministry sometimes is very um, often misunderstood. People disconnect immediately because they associate the word ministry with minister and uh, a pulpit ministry, so to speak. And they feel that 
that's not what they're called to do. But, but the Bible says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. That God has placed upon our shoulders, in our heart, a responsibility to propagate the gospel. If, if spreading the gospel were solely left up to those who are officially ministers, the world is going to be in trouble because there would be so few voices against the masses of people that need to hear the gospel. And there are people in your world that I don't even know. I haven't met them, and frankly, I probably never will meet some of them. And so God has ordained that you and I become an instrument, a tool to propagate, to share the gospel. I believe that everybody is obligated to find a place. And I know the word obligated was used this morning. Um, and I'm going to borrow that again. We are obligated not just to obey the word of God by Bible means of salvation, but we're obligated to real, discover what it is that God has for us to do. Perhaps a great misunderstanding is that, that we're not qualified to do what God is wanting us to do. But God will never call us and then not equip us and, and he will qualify. He will give us the exact strength that we need. Many people feel like that, you know, I've got to have this pedigree or that pedigree. I've got to be able to do this or I've got to be able to do that to accomplish anything that's noteworthy. But nothing could be further from the truth. God will use all of us on our level. The Bible says that uh, of Moses that obviously he, he had some sort of, uh, of a speech impediment. And we know that because of that, he asked for Aaron to join him. But I don't believe that Aaron was just Mo, the interpreter of Moses. I believe that Moses spoke himself. And so despite whatever the impediment would have been, God used him. And so no matter who we are, God is going to use us as we are. And, um, you know, I, I talk, when I'm preaching, I talk just like this at home. I don't morph into something else. When I get in the pulpit or out of the pulpit, God just uses us as we are. Uh, flaws and all, thank the Lord. Amen. Throughout the Bible, you read about great men and women, great men and women, mildly used of God. However, if you research their lives, if you just run your, your finger across the graph of their life, you will discover some things about them. And some of the things that you will discover is that they were very common people, just like you and I. Now, I'm not attempting to devalue their ministry or negatively impact uh, the, 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 the role that they may have played in scripture or even that they play in our lives as well or to, to discredit any influence that they may have had on the kingdom of God, the early church, which obviously still affects the church today. But in truth, they did great things for God that had eternal consequences. And they were just people that were willing to raise their hand and say, I will follow you. Whenever Abraham sent Eleazar, his servant, to find Isaac, his son, a bride, the Bible talks about the journey that he made and, and the oath that he had taken with Abraham. He said, place your hand under my thigh. That was a sign of an oath, a very serious oath. And he said, I want you to promise me that you will find her. And so he went and he prayed specifically he said, Lord, whenever the right lady comes along, don't just let her offer to give me some water, but I want you to feel, help her to feel compelled to water all the camels that are with me. That was no small feat 
That was no small ask. And she came, the right lady came and, and did just that. Not only offered him water, but offered the water and did water all the camels as well. And whenever he began to expound to her his purpose of what he was doing and, and, uh, and what it was all about, she invited him to come to her parents' home. And when they got there, they, they tried to delay that. And as, and as parents, we can understand that. He's about to take their daughter off to a far country. He'd come here with this story. We don't know if this is true or not. But there's something powerful to me about that story. And that is, is when they reached the end of all of their bartering, the, the parents finally asked her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. I, I know nothing more about this than what you know. I know nothing. I heard the same story that you heard, but I will go. There was something in her that said, I will raise my hand and I will do this. And God allowed her to do great exploits. Amen. So I'm thankful for the great men and women of scripture that have given themselves, but underneath all of their strength and underneath all of their influence exists a very common person. I certainly don't want to sound crass, but I believe that, that, that if somebody was to come through this building today with a common meter, it would ring pretty loud because I think there's a lot of common people that are in this house, just common, ordinary people. We got up and uh, in an ordinary home, put on ordinary clothes, drove an ordinary car. There's a lot of ordinary things about us, yet many ordinary people have accomplished some extraordinary things for God. When I think along these lines, my, my mind can't help but to drift down just a few paths of my past. I, I remember many years ago um, meeting and actually becoming very close friends with, a, um, with an, an older man. He's, he's gone on to meet the Lord now. Uh, he was a pastor, a, a man that was a very ordinary man. He was very quiet, very tender, uh, he was he was very gentle. He spoke very softly in a in a really literal sense. He spoke very softly. He was a very calculating man. He was a a man that had ordered steps. He understood what he who he was. He understood who he wasn't. I think we could say that uh, of this man that he was a plotter. He was not a sprinter. He just plodded along. He just plodded along. Maybe many people, because of his uh, such an overwhelming, unassuming nature, maybe a lot of people discounted him and didn't think a lot about him at, at times as far as we may measure on our own scales. However, God used him mightily throughout his life and ministry. He certainly had a servant style of leadership. He was a servant leader. He pastored a great church, but even more incredible was not the church that he pastored, but what was really incredible was what happened after, what happened to that church after he passed away. When he passed away, the, the man that had been tutored and reared under him as the heir apparent of that church uh, just began to carry on on those steps. They were completely two different people. I, absolutely two different personalities, two different leadership styles, but the spirit of revival broke out in that church and already good church, but a spirit of revival broke out in that church that has lasted for years. 
Amen. That person that followed them has worked hard, and and but they have reaped exceptional rewards. Uh, of of the of the labor that somebody else invested, he had he had somebody that went ahead of him that laid some very critical foundation stones in that church, and I think heaven is going to be such a cool place and such a wonderful thing whenever whenever we all get there and he is able to hear about all the things that have happened. Maybe there were days he thought, you know, I'm just too common for this job. Maybe I'm just too ordinary. Maybe I don't have enough flash. But I tell you what he had enough of. He had enough grit in his back to say, Lord, I'm gonna raise my hand. And if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And it proved to be more important and more critical than one could have ever imagined. He was a very ordinary man, but God used him to do some extraordinary things. And in our text today is one such man, a man by the name of Andrew. The description that most biblical writers give of Andrew is that he would indeed fall into this category that we're talking about today, an ordinary man. He was just a common man. Andrew never wrote a book like the men he worked around did. Like men, men like Matthew and Mark and Luke and, and John. We never read about Andrew preaching a powerful sermon like his brother Simon Peter did. And we also know that, that even Andrew didn't run in the same close-knit circles that, uh, that others did. Even his brother Simon Peter, it was Simon Peter, James, and John that found themselves in this elite group. And so here was Andrew. He had some friends in common, but he wasn't in this elite group of people that were used to write, not in this elite group of people that were used to preach powerful things and to be used mightily on the day of Pentecost and to do great and wonderful exploits. As a matter of fact, Andrew was only mentioned eight times in the entire Bible. He was just an ordinary man, but he did some extraordinary things. When you find Andrew in John's gospel, he's bringing somebody to the Lord. That's what he's doing. He is witnessing to somebody. He's talking to somebody, but he's not just talking and leaving things alone. He's bringing them with him, and the proof of that is in the word. As a matter of fact, we have Simon Peter today to talk about because it was Andrew that brought him to the Lord. Amen. We know about the, the miracle of the fishes and the loaves. We think about that often and, and it's talked about, taught about and preached about and, and songs have been written about or at least references to that story of how God can multiply those things in our hand. But you see, it wouldn't have been possible if it had not been for an, just an unassuming individual in the crowd, a man by the name of Andrew that, that brought the lad to Jesus. He also brought the Greeks who wanted to seek Jesus. Amen. He brought them to the face and to the feet of the Lord. And so no sermons were recorded, no songs that we can find that were written by him, no books were written by him, but he certainly preached many great sermons because he was a soul winner. He began to tell people, you gotta meet a man, come meet a man that has told me these things. Come meet a man that can change your life. He said, I, you need to come with us because we have met, we have found the Messiah. We have found what we have been looking for. He's an, an unassuming person in scripture, an unassuming person in life, but he understood something powerful. We have found the Messiah. Amen, he made a life changing and a lifelong discovery and to be sure things like that don't just happen. 
this revelation was born, I think, from something much deeper in his heart. I think there was something deep about this man, Andrew. Jesus made himself known and John had introduced him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. There, there, was, there were these moments in time that are frozen and those moments that are echoed and they still echo through the ages. Andrew and another followed Jesus. And in, in, the, in this passage of scripture, Jesus paused. And he asked them, he said, what seek ye? Or what are you looking for? The word seek speaks of a quest for something, a quest for something that's lost or a quest for something that's hidden. And so Jesus said, what seek ye? What are you looking for? What lost thing are you in search of? Or what hidden thing are you in search of? I believe that the Lord sensed there was an emptiness there. There's a hollowness there. Amen, in fact, that and it was Andrew that recognized this and he saw it, he understood it. And Andrew responded to the question that Jesus posed in verse 38 by saying this. He said, Rabbi, our master, where dwellest thou? And in verse 39, Jesus said, come and see. A literal translation of that phrase in verse 39 says, come and you shall see. Amen, come and your eyes will be open. If you'll just move, something will awaken in your heart. I believe there's a message in this today for all of us that God is pulling. I'm gonna tell you what I know today in the Holy Ghost, not because I'm so brilliant, but what I feel in the Holy Ghost is there's a drawing in the Spirit of God. God is drawing somebody to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. God's drawing somebody to be baptized in his name today. But God is also drawing men and women that are in the church, amen, trying to draw them into a place of usability, amen. So the Bible says, come and you shall see. And so if you feel something this morning, no matter how subtle it may be, the message today will be, if you'll just step out, if you will step into it, what you feel in your heart will become more evident in your eyes and in your mind if you'll just step into it. It's so I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can reach that. I don't know if I can attain that. The message is Jesus said, amen, come and you shall see. Where you live, Lord, will come and you shall see. Where would you like me to abide? Come and you shall see. Step out and the spirit of light and the spirit of hope and the spirit of revelation will shine in your heart. Come and ye shall see. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what we're talking about here today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whew. In our text, in our text, verse 41, he findeth his own brother Simon, saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which being interpreted as the Christ. We have found what we've been looking for. I realize this has been pointed out many, many times before, but with only, only few exceptions in scripture, Andrew is always called Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Growing up in the shadow of someone else. Someone else is that connect point. You know, Brother Everett Bird's the oldest of, 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 of Brother Jack and Sister Patricia Bird's sons. And so I have a feeling there was a time in, in Brother Brian, the youngest son's life, there was a time that, that he was just Everett's brother. 
right? That's how you would be met. That's how you would be introduced, rather, to people. That's how people would meet you because you hadn't come into your own. Because you had somebody that had been walking the pavement for a lot longer than you've been walking the pavement. And you just grow up in that shadow. And, and so here's Andrew. This, this is Simon Peter's brother. He seemingly was sentenced to a life to live in the shadow of his brother, Simon Peter. However, the good news seems to be that that wasn't a problem for him. It, it, that's, that's not a big deal. I'm, I'm good. I'm good being Simon Peter's brother. I'm good being his. I'm good at being his brother. In fact, it reveals, I believe, a powerful lesson to those that would be willing to learn. Amen. Andrew understood something. He understood. I have limitations. There's certain things I can do, but there's certain things I can't do. I will never preach to three thousand. I will never write a book, or I will never do this, or I'll never do that. But he didn't get mad and take his ball and go home. He said, "You know what? God can use me here, but I promise you, I'm going." let him use me. I promise you I'm going to give him these hands and I'll give him my mind and I'll give him my heart. He said I understand I can't preach like my brother. I know I'm not a leader like my brother. I know that I probably can't get up in front of large crowds. I may not be a writer like Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. However, but I'll tell you what what I can do. If you'll give me a restaurant, if you'll give me a table to sit down, if you'll give me a living room to sit in, if you'll give me just a small group to sit in, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to open my mind and I'm going to share the gospel and I'm going to tell you that the only people receiving the Holy Ghost are not those that are being led by somebody behind the pulpit with a microphone in their hand. But there's some that are sitting in a dining room. There's some that are sitting in a living room. There's some that are sitting in a restaurant somewhere and somebody is sharing the gospel. Some are sitting on the back porch. Hallelujah. But the spirit of God is moving in their life. I'm trying to tell you today, there's a place for you. Amen. There is a place for you. Not only do we need you, we want you. Amen. There is a place for you to serve. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless the person that knows what they can do. And God doubly bless the person that knows what they can't do. I've had several people volunteer to paint. And I've had a few say, hey, that's not my wheelhouse. And to those, I want to kiss on the forehead and say, thank you just for being honest. Thank you for just being honest. We need to know what we can do. And we need to be comfortable with what we can't do. Praise God, because the kingdom is a big thing. There's a lot of people making up the kingdom. And so what the Lord didn't call me to do, there's not some big gap somewhere. He's already called somebody else to do that. And they're going to take care of that. It seems that he understood this valuable principle of Ephesians 4 and 7 that Paul talked about. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He understood that. I've got grace for what God has called me to do. I've got grace for the gift he has entrusted me to have. And so when God gives you a gift, he also gives us the grace that we're going to need, that we're going to, need to accomplish that task. And that's why we get in trouble. That's why we get in trouble when we pick up a gift that God has not given us the grace to succeed at. 
So I got to stay in my area. I got to understand where I operate best. I got to understand where God can use me best. And so I, I know that he's given me the power to be sustained here in this area. That doesn't mean we can't grow or expand. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Wednesday night I mentioned men and women who serve as global missionaries and, and men and women who serve as our, like we saw today, North American missionaries who are planting churches not only overseas but planting churches in, uh, in North America and I refer to them always I refer to them as heroes of the faith uh, not just some willy nilly title they are heroes of the faith because all the heroes of the faith are not in Genesis to Revelation they're walking the face of the earth today Amen. Brother Everett and I were talking about it this morning, but one of our North American missionaries in Lehigh Acres yesterday, they were having a service in their city park and, and their church had gathered. They were having a service and the, and the outdoor service, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure of any of the details of it. I just got a snippet of a, of a video from our North American mission secretary, Brother Santi Jimenez, and, and he said, I just want to share with you what's going on in Lehigh Acres. And right there in the city park, there were people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Can I tell you today, these are heroes. These are heroes of the faith. It wasn't Sunday morning. There wasn't a choir. There wasn't an organ. There, was, there wasn't all the trimmings and the trappings that we think we've got to have. Amen. But the, hear me today. There's something that, that I understand about their calling. God has given them the grace according to the measure of the gift. And so you don't need to feel sorry for someone by way of pity that they are serving in foreign soil or feel pity for someone that's planting a church where there is no church. You know why? The reason we can't wrap our mind around it is because God didn't give us the grace for the call. He didn't give us the grace for the gift because we don't need grace for that. He's given us grace to do something else. He's given some grace to walk in, amen, in, in a prison cell to minister to people. He's given other people grace to do all manner of things. He's given us grace for that. Amen. To be a missionary d d demands one measure of grace. To be a pastor, that demands another measure of grace. To be an evangelist, that dem demands another measure of grace. And the list could go on and on and on. However, this was all pinned within the context of Paul speaking about unity. Don't ever forget that. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So we must ensure that we're operating within this gift range that the Lord has called us. Paul tells us that God has given each believer different gifts or different abilities because not everyone can preach and not everyone is supposed to preach. Not everyone can sing and not everyone is even supposed to sing. Not everyone can get up in front of a class and teach because not everybody should get up in front of a class and teach and, and here's what you will discover you, you won't ever find anyone happier than a person that accepts what they can do and doesn't worry about what they can't do I've, I've used this so much in leadership classes here and, and, and different places and so just pardon the, the simple analogy but oh, if the church could just understand what people in construction understand. That the plumber's not intimidated by the framer. And the carpet man's not intimidated by the roofer. 
And so when they pull up on a job site side by side, I've often said that the carpet layer don't run out and buy some roofing tools so he can fit in. That's not his deal. They can pull right side by side. They can pull right beside one another. They can get out and shake hands working on the same job. They're working for the same purpose. They have the same end in mind. But one man says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and you do what you're going to do. But here's something else they also understand. Good workers understand. Is that even though this is not my house and even though when I get through here, I probably will never have to come back to this address, I have a responsibility to look out for the people that are coming behind me. And so if the framer or if the man laying out that house doesn't care, the framer's going to have a hard time. And if the framer says, hey, this is not my house, the drywall guy's going to have a hard time. And everybody behind him, the trim man, the cabinet man, and everybody else. The drywall man says, all I got to do is throw this up on the wall. Let the finished guy worry about that. And if everybody operates that way, I promise you what you're going to find is you're going to find a bunch of mad workers. And everybody's going to be throwing rocks at the guy behind them. But when somebody gets there and somebody before them has laid everything out square, they say, this is going to be a good day. All I got to do is get in here and do what I do. And somebody, I'm going to leave the guy, I'm going to leave him set up just right. I'm going to leave him set up just right. And in the end, you say this is all too idealistic. No, it's not too idealistic. It's how it ought to be. Amen. Not everybody is called to teach in children's ministry, but thank God for those that are. And while we're here, they're not out there babysitting our children. They're pouring the gospel in them. They're breaking off pieces of just little by little by little. Sister Rayleigh, many, many years ago, when we were having our communion services and and, uh, she was taking our children outside and teaching them. It wasn't with the same things that we were using, but it was on their level. She was teaching them about communion and this is what you do and this is why you do it. And they grew up and some of them are adults sitting in this building today because somebody said, we gotta do this. And she was gifted to be able to do that. Hear me today. Amen. We need somebody to realize there is a place for me. There is a place for me. Andrew understood Amen. that I've got some abilities and I'm gonna use those abilities but he didn't have gifts that other people had but he didn't let that shut him down amen and so here's the question that we have to ask ourselves and that is are we doing what God has called us to do you see some people never get involved because they say well I can't sing or I can't teach or I can't and the list goes on and on but you see God's not just interested in those he's interested in all there's a lot of things that Andrew couldn't do, but there was one thing he could do, and he dedicated his life to doing that. He couldn't preach before others, as I said. Amen. But he said, this is what I can do. And when you find him, he's bringing somebody with him. Praise God. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if they will. Mark 1 and 7, Andrew had a revelation of, of what we, he, he would become, and so he did. And he found out that, that he could indeed be a fisher of men. And the rest of his life was, was dedicated to, to winning men and women to Christ. One of the interesting features of Andrew's life is that he was always witnessing. So I, I believe that 
you know, I'm thankful for outreach efforts and I'm thankful for organized efforts. But I believe there should be a lifestyle of, of evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism. Talking to people wherever we go. You don't have to be a nuisance to do that. You don't have to make a nuisance of yourself to do that. In John 1, 41 through 42, we see him sharing the revelation with his family. The first thing he did, reaching out to Simon Peter. He said, well, I may not be able to do this, but God is going to use me to win the one that can. In fact, in this case, you may be witnessing to somebody right now that's going to do things that you never had the ability to do. Many of you, maybe not all, but many of you remember evangelist Charles Mahaney. Brother Mahaney preached all over our nation and quite frankly, all over the world. Brother Mahaney was loud, bold, courageous. You didn't have to kind of walk behind him with the dictionary wondering what he was trying to say. A very rough background. But he was won to the Lord by one of the most unassuming men that I've ever had the privilege to meet. I remember being in the service and meeting this man and somebody told me when he walked past, he said, that's the man that won Charles Mahaney to the Lord. I was like, wow. Because I'm going to think, you know, somebody kind of was able to rein in Brother Mahaney. He must have been a whole lot bigger than him and a whole lot more gruff than him, No. I heard the stories of how on Sunday mornings Brother Mahaney was trying to live for God, trying to do right, but he had some struggles early on, maybe even prior to receiving the Holy Ghost, but when he just first started coming to church, he he had struggled with alcohol for years and drugs, and, and this pastor would go get him up, and in his drunken condition, he would wash him up, help him bathe and get cleaned up and take him to the house of God. He had no idea, I'm going to safely assume, he had no idea how powerful the hands were that he was washing. How powerful they were going to become. He had no idea helping him strap on his shoes, Brother Pope, to come to the house of God, how many miles these feet would take him preaching the gospel and where all this man would go. You see, he wasn't intimidated and angry because God used him in a greater fashion no, because heaven's going to be heaven. And heaven's going to be a sweet place. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. Amen. It was Andrew that was such an instrumental part of the greatest miracles, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Andrew in John 6 and 8 and 9, the Bible says, brought that young man with the lows. But he didn't just stop with family, and he didn't just stop with a young man. He wasn't afraid to reach out to the educated he wasn't intimidated to reach out and witness to the accomplished because in John 12, the Bible says that he was again touching lies. But this time it was what the Bible refers to as the Greeks. The Greeks were philosophers and they were scholars of their day. 
But you see, they were seeking the Lord. And Andrew said, let me show you. Let me show you. He was just a man that knew about fishing. He didn't have all the pedigrees these men had. But he said, if you'll use me, Lord, I'll, I'll just go with you. I'll go with you. Amen. You see, there's a world out there that really what they're trying to say is this. Sir, I would see Jesus. I would see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to meet him. And I wonder if we can respond to the word, not just this message today, but the word that has gone forth in this service. Amen. The spirit that has gone forth in this service. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. And it's not just sitting back on a pew doing nothing. Disengaged. Disconnected. Unimpressed. No, that's not the place for you. Amen. God wants you to do something and he's got something mighty. He's got something that would probably blow your mind. Amen. But we got to come. We got to first come. And he said, and you will see. Praise God. Can we just respond to his word? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.